Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Wednesday, January 17th. Oh, hi. As you can see, oh my goodness. As you can see, I am wearing my In My Bravo Era merch. I had to shout it out for you guys. It's so cold and just like cozy weather here in LA and I wanted to wear a sweater. So I just threw this on and then I was like, wait, I haven't worn this on the show yet. So. I'm excited to show it to you. Let me reorganize my orange situation. I've got oranges. I've got M&Ms. I mean, like, I've got basically a, a market over here. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for coming in live as you guys are popping in through the morning. We have such a good show today. We have so many good stories to talk about. My light's not even on. Where am I? What a difference a day makes. Now we can start the show. For those of you that don't know, my merch is available on dailydosepod.com slash store. I'm going to post the comment in a comment. I'm going to post it so that you guys can see exactly where to get this sweater along with other things. You know, I've got my Robin mug, my Sobbin Robin stuff, my absolutely clothes, my double dosers, my in my Bravo era. I've got founding member of the Bravo cult sweatpants. Lots of fun things over there in the store. So make sure to go and check it out. Thank you guys so much for being here and supporting the show. Another person or a company that I need to thank is, of course, one skin, because support for today's episode comes from one skin. We all know New Year's is synonymous with big health resolutions. But you know what I'm keeping as is in 2024? My skin's biological age. Biological age? What does that even mean? It's basically how old your skin acts and looks, which can be different from your actual age. So I'm 42. And do you guys remember that episode? We'll talk about Salt Lake City today. So do you remember that episode about this season on Salt Lake City where Lisa Barlow goes in to like get her face screen. She gets like her, it was the craziest episode. I forget if she was with Meredith. I think it was with Meredith. They went to like some Botox place or whatever. It was the episode where Lisa said that she got banned from a tanning salon, which is just so funny um, and so typical of Lisa Barlow. And so she's standing there and she gets her face kind of screened and it's like sun damage, wrinkles. It's crazy. So even if you are, you know, wealthy and have all the money in the world, or even if you take good care of yourself, sometimes, you know, your skin starts to show all those signs of aging. But one skin, and I've got some of it right here, their products are powered by a scientifically proven peptide called OS1 that targets lines and wrinkles right where they start, which is your cells. This isn't just another skincare routine. It's a real science breakthrough. In fact, OS1 is the first of its kind to actually turn back the clock instead of just masking the signs of aging. That's what the influencers do. Why do they all do the tapping? Like this. They go like this on TikTok. Or like this. And then they also do this, the jazz hands. Like why? With their full line of face, eye, body, sun, and travel size products, OneSkin doesn't only promise healthier skin, they prove it. And I am all in. 
on OneSkin. So for a limited time, Daily Dose listeners will get an exclusive 15% off OneSkin products using the code Donna. When you check out at oneskin.co, that's D-A-N-A, of course, at oneskin.co. Start 2004 off right and give your skin the scientifically proven love it deserves with OneSkin. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah, this is a, another thing that they do, Kelly. You're right. They always put their hand beh- beh- behind the product and they hold it like that and then they go like this. Tap, tap. All right, y'all. Let's get to it. We've got so much to talk about today. In today's pop culture news, let's start off with a story about Raquel, Rachel Levis. Did you guys see this news? It kind of popped out last night, I believe. Rachel has released her second episode of Rachel Goes Rogue. Podcast, Rachel Goes Rogue. Now, I personally don't have um, the ability, time, energy, patience, uh, the list goes on, to listen to Rachel Goes Rogue or Raquel Goes Rogue, but you guys do it for me. So luckily, I did see someone break it down. Reality Ops on TikTok, shout out. I follow some great TikTok accounts that do this. You know Nat, Reality Ops, Vanderpod Recaps. Um, Who else? Bywig Hello Drama, Coca Macoca. I know I'm forgetting some more. I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll list them. But anyway, there's so many great accounts that I follow to get the scoop face reality 16. Anyway. So what she said on this episode, according to what I heard, just a little clip of it are two big major like bombshells about the whole scan of all of it all. Now I think secretly Vanderpump rules producers and Bravo are thinking they're lucky stars that she is doing this right now because she is releasing all of this kind of behind the scenes from Rachel's side of the affair. She's releasing it right now, which is days. I think we're like 13 or less days before the premiere of season two, uh, season 11. And so everyone is, you know, waiting for this. And now we're getting kind of like back into the storyline. It's almost like she's giving us a prompt to get more into Vanderpump Rules and everything about it. So I love what we're going through right now listening to this. She drops two bombs, one being that the night, the day after she slept with, I want to call him Scandival, Tom Sandoval for the first time. The day after she ended up going back to she spoke to him on the in the morning on the phone. He went to Schwartz's house. She spoke to him on the in the morning on the phone, and he basically came up with a plan with her to not tell Ariana. She was she had plans to go out with Ariana and all the girls that night. It was probably on camera. I have no idea. And he ended up sending a bottle of champagne for all of them. And he did it probably for two reasons. Number one, to impress Raquel and make her know that he's thinking about her, but also to impress. Ariana and to make her think like, oh, look at what my boyfriend's doing. He also mentioned in that same scene that, or in the same podcast, that Schwartz, little Schwartzy, knew from the very, very beginning, which sounds like he did. I'm not really surprised by this, although I'm a little disappointed because I was trying to give Schwartz the benefit of the doubt. She definitely said that she and that Schwartz and Sandoval have the most codependent relationship on that show. And because that like Schwartz was Tom's Schwartz was Tom Sandoval's like safe zone, meaning he could go to her, his house and call Raquel, um, FaceTime with her, 
obviously like send letters back and forth, whatever. That was his safe zone. So Schwartz knew from day one that they were sleeping together and engaged in this like not only emotional affair, a very physical affair, very long-term seven months, like in love, I want to be with you type of affair. And um, so Schwartz is going to have a lot of explaining to do, although they already recorded and recorded film this entire next season of Vanderpump Rules. So we're not going to uh, hear that side from Schwartz, but I'm sure he's very, very uh, loving this new podcast. Uh, at some point, Rachel's going to have to stop talking about the affair. And when she does do that, I wonder what her numbers are going to be like. I, like I said, have not listened. A lot of you guys are also saying that you can't listen. You're really not interested in hearing her side of the story. I'm kind of not either, um, but I do like listening to other people break it down. But when she stops talking about the affair, is she just going to break down Vanderpump Rules week by week? Is she going to become like a Teddy and Tamara and just talking about reality shows? I, I I just don't see what, like, who is going to want to listen to her. I mean, I guess that's what's going to happen. She's going to be like, in this scene, Tom is apologizing to Ariana, but this was the scene where he called me when I was at my rehab center and, you know, told me he wanted to marry me. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. I, I, I just can't. I just can't. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is a, a game of telephone. I didn't hear it from her. I heard it from someone else. And now you guys are hearing it from me who heard it from someone else who heard it from her. So if things get lost in the shuffle, this is just what happens but I'm sure you can find the information out there. That's how much I care. Um, I'm so over Scandal. Aren't you guys? I'm excited for Vanderpump Rules. By the way, I heard yesterday, the sandwich shop of Katie's and Ariana's, something about her, will never open. We are now in at least a year of renovations they had permit issues for the front of the building. Remember, they had to completely remove that porch and the awning and the sign. That made sense because the city, but it still took so long. They still, as far as I know, haven't really fully fixed that. But then now I hear that there's permit issues and issues with the flooring in the inside of the sandwich shop, meaning they used flooring that is purely decorative, but is not safe for a restaurant or up to a restaurant standards. I don't really know. Now they have to rip out the flooring. This feels like a laundry scheme. Like it feels a laundering scheme, not laundry. It feels like very um, like Louie from Real Houses in New Jersey is behind this. Like we're building, we're building a sandwich shop, but really it's to, to you know, to, to give some family money. It's like mafia shit. Isn't it very confusing? I, I, I'm just so confused by this. Like I have never in my entire life seen, actually there was one restaurant down the street from my house that has been closed since we moved into this house, which was the beginning of 2020. And it's been in remodeling process, like boarded up, then not boarded up, then lot, then windows, then not, then like, you know, they've been working on this restaurant for, I'm not joking when I tell you four years and they just opened. So I don't know, very confused by it. How do you have the money to keep a mortgage or, or the lease? These leases are so expensive. There's no way they're making any money from the sandwich shop. So very confused by it. I, I really think they just need to close it down and just start afresh. Like build a sandwich shop somewhere else. It was a great idea, but now it's like, I'm, uh, it feels like this is this business is run into the ground. Ariana's not even in LA. She's shooting or she's doing her Broadway musical. So I'm very confused by it all. Did you guys hear that Real Housewives of OC is back filming today? 
It is. It is. Officially, we are back filming. From what I've heard, the cast is as so. We've got Tamara. We've got Emily. We've got Gina. We have Heather Dubrow. We have Jen Pedranti. Those five are a definite. Apparently, we're going to have Alexis Bellino as like a recurring, potentially full-time, and then um, another woman who I actually don't even know who she is. Um, They're going to bring in someone else. Honestly, this is what I wanted to watch. You guys are going to kill me for this, but this is what I would have paid to watch. Oh, Shannon. Did I say Shannon? Shannon too. This is what I want to watch. I want to watch a show. Talk about like dramatic, but this is what I want to watch. I want to watch a show with Vicky, Shannon, Tamara, Heather Dubrow, Kelly Dodd, because I think it would be so good because Kelly Dodd and Vicky are besties now. So wait, let me see. Trace Amigos, the originally the original Trace Amigos, so Vicky Shannon Tamara, Heather Dubrow, Kelly Dodd, and then throw in like a Jen Pedronti or an Emily Simpson. You know my feelings on Gina. Take it or leave it, right? But that to me is a is a show. That to me is a show. I know a lot of you guys don't like Vicky. A lot of you guys don't like Tamara. A lot of you guys don't like Shannon. Shannon, And a lot of you guys don't like Kelly Dodd, but I find them all fascinating, interesting TV, and I would watch it in a heartbeat. Um, Storm says Joe from season one. No, we can't bring Joe DeLaRosa back. Like that is, that is long gone, long gone. Um, Josh says, Donna, should they just transform the Vanderpump cast into a real housewife show as they get older? I would say this. Either they just scrap it entirely or start a new show. I mean, Vanderpump is going to be good this season, I think. We'll have to see how it goes. If we, at the end of the season, are like, whoa, that was a fail. Like, think about it. You kind of can't go up after Scandaball and and the excitement around that. So I don't really know if it goes up. I'll be interested to see kind of like where it goes and how it goes. But at some point, that show is going to lose steam and just be done, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I would not want any of them on Housewives. I would be interested in watching Stassi. I really like Stassi and Bo. I think Stassi's amazing TV, and I think she would be a great character on any sort of show. But I also really like what I'm seeing with her family, and I feel like it would just get ruined on a reality show. So I wouldn't really want that, personally. Okay. Let's talk about last night on Bravo, because wowzers. We had a good one and a half hours of TV I'm going to start with Watch What Happens Live, which aired after the reunion. But of course, I have to talk about it because my man, Jeff Lewis, all of you guys know, all of you guys call me the Jeff Lewis apologist. That should be my new um, my new handle. It should be Daily Dose of Jeff Lewis Apologist. <laughs> Reddit, I am sure you're going to love this one. Yeah, you know, I absolutely love Jeff Lewis and can't stand a lot of what he does, but I really, really enjoy him on my TV. And so do so many other people. Um, his shows, radio shows and TV shows do incredibly well. He is the most polarizing person, one of the most polarizing people out there. And it works. It works for him. So he was on Watch What Happens Live last night with Mercedes, Mercedes Javid, MJ from Shaws of Sunset and now from Trader Season 2. By the way, I'm talking about Traders, the first few episodes, the first three episodes, I think. I'm going to talk about that, and I'm going to talk about the reality show 
the trust on Netflix, along with some other things that I'm like paying attention to and talking about. I'm going to do that over on Patreon this week. So catch up before you listen in. So, um, all right. So Jeff Lewis and Mercedes, who are very close. Anyone that listens to Jeff Lewis knows that MJ is a recurring guest on his show and a recurring host on the after show. Um, She's a very close friend of his. Apparently, they're doing a real estate deal together. I had no idea. I just found that out last night. I met her at the Hollywood House Lift premiere party. Um, she told me that I reminded her of another girl. This is really funny, actually. And I talked about it a little bit on my Patreon a few weeks ago. But she told me that I reminded her of this one woman who I know really well. I went to high school with her. And she's actually also a real estate agent at the agency. And she will be on next season's Buying Beverly Hills. Um, that I know because I've talked to her separately. So we talked a little bit about all that stuff. She told me how much she loves working for Mauricio. This was right during the Dancing with the Stars finale week. And so we were talking about all of that. Anyway, she, look, MJ is also someone that you guys love or hate. It's just the way that any of these reality stars are. I feel like no one's really kind of half-half on any of these people. Maybe like Gina, right, from Real Housewives. But Jeff will do one thing every single time he's on our screens, and that's give us a show. The guy is so good, so good at being a guest or talking to Andy Cohen. They have such a funny rapport. He annoys the shit out of Andy, but Andy can't get enough of him, if you guys notice that. Um, he says whatever's on his mind, even though he knows he's going to get in trouble because he already has, he's calling the orchid uh, store on the side, um, already sending orchids over to Dorit because of what he said last night. A couple things that came out in this episode. Um, Jeff talked about Shannon and Vicky and Tamara and the feud. Someone called in and asked him this question. So what we know is that Jeff and Shannon have been very, very close from day one of them both being on these shows. They're very close. They're very connected. They're very um, supportive of each other. He actually really had Shannon's back during the whole DUI incident. If you guys remember, he was the only one that like did not say a goddamn word. He really protected her. She told me at the Hollywood house Live party, we talked about one thing and one thing only. And she, it was Jeff. And she was just talking about how amazing he is as a friend. So I believe that they have a really strong friendship. Um, he always says that Shannon is very supportive of him as well. So he said that Shannon's having a hard time right now. Um, she's having a hard time with Alexis Bellino dating Jim, John Jansen. Here's my thought on this. From what I know, Alexis and Shannon were never on the show together, right? They were never friends. They never had issues with each other. They weren't fighting or friends. Shannon's issues are with John. So Alexis coming in and dating John, while it feels like too close to home because they're both former they're housewives centric and Alexis was a housewife and probably will be again. And so is Shannon, da, da, da. Upon originally dating Alexis and John, I don't think Alexis broke any code. Maybe John broke a code. But I don't think Alexis owed Shannon a girl code situation because from what I know, they had no friendship. And tell me if I'm wrong here. If you just know of someone in your city and you have mutual friends with them, do you have to like follow girl code? That's, that's my question for you guys. So I'm interested about that. Um, 
Jeff said that he's he was asked to do a lunch on OC, meaning to shoot OC this season. And he was super annoyed about that. He was like, uh, maybe you keep that to yourself. I find that funny. It just goes to show how produced the show is, you know? Um, let's see what else Jeff talked about. He talked about the set of Salt Lake City. And by the way, when I tell you, he's not wrong. The set of the reunion of Salt Lake City is the most hodgepodge Halloween gone wrong. Find all of your decorations in a closet, put them out there, throw them up onto like literally just like vomit all your decorations onto a stage and hope it works. There's snow. It's fake. There is a there's a boat. There's a shipwreck. There's ice coming from the ship. I mean, it's crazy looking. It looks like a Halloween spirit store gone wrong. And so I don't know about, you know, I don't know specifically about it, but I think uh, Jeff is is not wrong talking shit about the set. I think it's not the prettiest set ever. And then he talks about Monica. He basically says, I don't trust her at all. He makes a joke that Andy had this very popular bank scam or credit card scam. I don't know if you guys heard about that. I'm sure you did where he was basically scammed out of, I think upwards of a hundred thousand dollars. He was on the today show and Jeff made a joke saying like, have you checked in with Monica about that? Um, listen, Monica is, and we're, we're going to get into Salt Lake city in just a few minutes. Monica is legitimately the most untrustworthy person I think we've ever seen on Housewives before and shady. So I personally uh, cannot deny that Jeff is right. Like, tr don't trust Monica as far as you can throw her. I mean, Jeff was like, I would never have her in my house. I would never be her friend. I agree. This is why I just don't see how she returns to the show. I just don't see it. Um. Okay. Uh, did it? Oh. Then when they were talking about um, unpopular opinions about anything Housewives, Jeff said, and this was to close out the show, he said, thank you, Kyle Richards, because Kyle Richards is carrying your show, which guys, I've said it before. I agree. This season of Beverly Hills, yes, I'm really into like Sutton. I love watching her and you know how much I love Garcelle, but this show, this season is all Kyle all the time. And that's all I care about. And that's all I want to watch. Do you guys agree? I literally just want to see the plight of Kyle or the flight of Kyle or the upward spiral of Kyle or the downward spiral. Like, I just want to see what happens to her marriage. What happens to her tattoos? What happens with her and Morgan Wade? Is she a lesbian? Is she not? Does she, you know, like this not drinking, the working out, like it's so interesting to me to see such a transformation so fast with someone. So I'm very, very into it. Um, a lot of you guys, back to the OC thing, I'm seeing this. Shannon doesn't like Alexis from the beginning because of Alexis's ex-husband. Yes, because there was a Jim Bellino issue with defamation. Long story, was on a podcast. Tamara Judge, Heather McDonald, allegedly, all of that stuff. They had to pay Jim Bellino for defamation. Yes, yeah, so maybe she didn't like Alexis because of her husband. But just because they didn't like each other is, is not a reason that Alexis can't date Shannon's ex-boyfriend, is my opinion. Like, Alexis doesn't owe Shannon anything, is what I'm saying. I don't know. Um, so he says, back to Jeff uh, Lewis, he says, Kyle Richards is carrying the show. Agree. And then he says, Dorit is becoming more and more unlikable. Now, I'm on the fence about this. I do think she's unlikable in many ways. Um, and But it's been kind of ways that we've seen throughout the years. So it's nothing really new. I actually feel for her with her PTSD and the way her husband's treating her about it. Um, that makes me actually kind of sad for her, but 
I can't imagine how good it felt for her to watch the show and see her husband basically saying, you know, is it PTSD or is it high maintenance obnoxious? Because that's what she's becoming. It it just feels a little bit like an ouch. He said, the last thing he said about Dorit was, you can put a Chanel brooch on a H&M sweater, but at the end of the day, you're still wearing H&M, which I took personally for H&M lovers. I'm a lover of H&M. I don't shop at Chanel. I shop at H&M and, and dailydosepod.com slash store. That's where I shop. Also, a reminder really quickly before we get into the Real Houses of Salt Lake City, I can't tell you how many times a day I get a DM from you or comments here on YouTube saying, YouTube, unsubscribe me from your show. Right now, go and check that you're subscribed. Right now. Because I guarantee you, a lot of you guys that are saying you're not getting notifications, et cetera, please come back, subscribe. Make sure you're hitting the subscribe button and the like button, the thumbs up button. Put on the bell. Do it all. Give me some love if you don't mind it. Okay. Are we ready to talk about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? And I've got some bullet points. Because you know it is. Look, a lot of you guys don't think that these reunions are giving. I loved episode one of Salt Lake City. Now thinking back and rewatching it. And I really liked episode two of Salt Lake City. Yes, we haven't gotten to the reality of Antis of it all. We haven't gotten into the fact that she's a blogger. But holy moly. She, this, this is good stuff. Okay, this is good stuff. We covered a ton of things on this one hour. Starting with the temperature on the set. I thought this was really interesting. Whitney says that she's cold. She's like, I am shivering over here. Whitney is a frozen statue for this entire reunion. Is anyone else feeling this? She literally just sits there like a frozen statue and she just kind of makes a comment here and there. And she did have a moment where she talked about her mom, which I'll get to, but it's like she is a frozen statue statue. Everyone else feels nice and warm, but Whitney is like over there freezing in her Delia's dress. And, you know, I, I, I'm, like I said last week, a lot of them looked banging. Whitney was a, was a miss in my opinion, in my opinion. So the episode primarily centered around Monica, Angie, and Lisa. Of course, Heather brought up a couple things. Uh, Mary showed up for a bit. I'll talk about that in a second. And Meredith had like three things to say. And it wasn't a good episode for Meredith because we found out a couple things about her. But in general, it's between Monica and Angie and Lisa. A couple things that came up in this episode, and I'll talk about it in probably different orders. But let's first talk about the fact that Monica has a variety of names. Andy called her out on why are you always changing your name? Listen, it seems shady when your name is constantly changing. Yes, that feels like you're, you know, committing some sort of fraud and trying to get away from your identity. Like you got arrested and then you want people to not Google your name to find out who you are. However, I think that um, if Monica's story is correct, which who knows at this point, where she was born Darnell, then she married into Fowler and then reverted after she got divorced back into not her mother's maiden name, but her dad's name, which is Garcia. If that was the case, I would say it's not that crazy. Like that's actually not such a crazy get. 
It's not a gotcha moment in that moment. Like my mom, for example, she was her maiden name growing up. And then she became her, my dad's last name for a short amount of time when they were married. And then when now she's her new husband's last name. It's not that crazy to have a few different last names as a woman through your life. But it is weird that she took her dad's last name, given the fact that she has absolutely no relationship with her dad. And we do find that out. And for that, I feel very sad for her because anyone that has a dad that has abandoned them or not loved them the way that they should, especially a daughter, um, I hate to say it, but that's true. Like a lot of times this happens with daughters and their dads. It fucks you up, right? Like, sorry to curse. It messes you up. And um, and I don't know. She, I think she did do Garcia. She, she claims that the other women think that she changed her name to Garcia to sound more Latina, but I would highly you know, believe that that's to be true. And she didn't want to be related necessarily to what her mom's last name is, which is Darnell. And that's understandable too. Um, I also think she probably had a whole host of issues in her life as a Darnell and as a Fowler. And so just to get away from those last names for Googleable purposes, I would imagine is the, is the case. But becoming Garcia, listen, as a casting director, a former casting director and working with a lot of actors, there is a big thing in Hollywood, you know, and I have not cast shows since 2007, 16, 2016, but there was a big thing in Hollywood for especially the, the last few years of diversity and inclusion. And it has continued to this day, as you can see when you watch all these award shows, et cetera. But it was very, very important. For example, when I was working with Disney, it was very important for Disney to feel like they were casting a diverse group of actors every single time. And there were a lot of times where actors who maybe are a quarter Hispanic or Latino to change their name to that so that they could check that box and hopefully get a job easier or more, you know, be considered for a job in a different way because of the diversity side. I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it because you are who you are and you can, you know, whatever. It's not like you're lying about who you are. Um, but Monica probably did utilize her Garcia name for that, to push that story. I mean, I, it does make sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Oh, this is interesting. Okay, did I mess this up? Log My Shop says that's not the story. She was born Darnell, so I got that right. Her married name was Fowler. Delgado is her dad's last name, and Garcia is a name that she picked from her mom's side of the family. Interesting. Okay, regardless, that's why I think she picked the name. I don't know if it's from mom or dad. If it was from mom, even so, I do think she picked the name Garcia because of that. Um, but she was also Monica Delgado for a bit. She just wasn't legally Monica Delgado. That's what she said. She goes, I was only legal three names. Yes, her mom was Portuguese and Garcia was her last name. And she cut off Garcia because she thought it was too Portuguese sounding when she was growing up. Okay. Okay, I'm confused already. I mean, seriously, like we need a diagram. We need a flow chart and a diagram and a camera and Andy, right? 
Okay, that's that's one thing that happened. Now, the next big story that really came up was the whole Angie Easter story, which then, of course, started talking about the heavy, heavy, insanely toxic relationship between Monica and her mom. So what we find out in the episode from last night are a couple things. We find out that at the Easter event, which if you guys have been following social media, you may have seen this, but at the at the um, Easter event, not only did Monica fight very loudly and obviously with her mom and Angie, we saw that all, but then she was very upset, went downstairs into the basement, which we saw the unseen footage last night. We didn't see the actual fall. We heard the fall, and then we saw her sitting on the on the bottom of the stairs. She apparently fell down the stairs. As someone who has just fallen down the stairs and my butt is still bruised, that was January 3rd I fell down the stairs. It's January 17th and my butt is still bruised. Okay, two weeks. As someone who has also... <laughs> injured herself falling down the stairs, I will say that I believe there's a very, very um, big injury that can happen when you fall downstairs. She was in heels. She was very upset. Apparently, she was looking for a railing. I was confused by this, but when you watch the, the video, you see it's a small hallway with stairs going down. I think you see this a lot in, in basements, and there's no... Um, there's no railing. So I guess she got really upset, went downstairs, grabbed at a railing. As you can imagine, what happens if you grab at a railing that's not there and you tumble down the stairs? Then because of that, you know, I think you feel, um, I think you feel uh, like whatever. She was probably embarrassed. She was hurt. And then at that point, she was like frustrated. She wanted to get the F out of there. That's when she apparently threw her shoe and it hit a kid. I didn't see that part. Um, I think it's very humiliating to fall downstairs, especially in a public place with cameras around when you just like went in through this huge fight with your with your parents and with your mom in public and then a friend and it's her house. Like bad news bears all around. Um, I think two things can be true in this case. I have to say that in this episode, I remember when I watched it, I felt like I was team Monica's mom. Because in my opinion, when you're a guest and you're with your daughter or your son and you're at someone's house that you've never been to at a nice event with their, all their family and friends and there's cameras there and your daughter is acting a fool. And I, I think that Monica was acting insane. I mean, sorry insane maybe is a little bit of a push, but she started going after Angie and kind of attacking her in her own house at her party at an Easter event in the daytime with kids around. It never, ever makes sense, right? So, or it never, like, it never made sense to me as something that felt appropriate. Like, it's not a girl's night out, right? It's not alone when you're in the Bahamas. It's at a family event and Monica is so, as we can see, unhinged when she fights and just doesn't shut up and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. So she starts attacking Angie and Monica's mom in this episode before I could see like the true toxicity between the relationship. Monica's mom was like, Angie, I mean, Monica, stop. Like, stop it. I would act the same. If I saw Dylan acting insanely like angry at a party, I don't care if you're 10 or if you're 40, like stop, walk away. So I understand why the mom was frustrated, but Monica has such a clear, obvious, super toxic, heavy relationship with her mom that it wasn't about that. And she could never have hurt her mom in a legitimate way in that moment. It, 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 
she literally, you know, her mom could have said anything and she already was assuming she was against her. See, this is the problem with relationships like Monica and her mom um, as someone that's not a therapist. You're already assuming the worst from each other. When you say hi to each other, how are you? The answer that you give or the question that you ask, it's already assumed to be coming from a negative place. It's never assumed to be coming from a place of love, of actual genuine care, of authenticity. It's always like, why do you ask that? Why do you say it like that? Why are you answering it like that? And I and I think that there this is this is how bad their relationship is that they they can't see each other in a like zoomed out perspective, looking at it just like mom and daughter, right? And wanting the best for each other. They both think that the other person is is their biggest enemy and their biggest competition. And we found out last night that maybe that's the case because Monica says that the that when LD Millionaire, her mom, um, I call her that because that's her Twitter name. In case you guys are wondering. When she was 12 years old, we found this out on the show that Linda dropped Monica off with apparently a random family in Pennsylvania while she went and pursued her dreams in New York. We all thought it was some sort of performing arts actor, something along those lines. But Andy asked her yesterday and Monica said television. Could that be that she wanted to be a writer, producer, a a screen, you know, um, a hairdresser? We don't know. It could have been anything. But all we know from hearing that is that she wanted to go into television. It sounds like, oh, she just wanted to be an actress. She was just looking to become famous. That's what we took from it. A couple other things that we heard about Monica's mom yesterday was that when Monica went to her last, this is all so gross to think about just the entire thing of it. Like I can't imagine auditioning for Real Housewives of Sherman Oaks and then feeling like I did bad on the interview and going straight to my mom, who who Monica and her have such a bad relationship. So it's so weird that she would go to her because it's this such a toxic, like codependent, I hate you, but I need you to love me relationship. Apparently, she went to Monica's to her mom to cry in her lap because she felt so bummed that she messed up this last interview for Real Housewives. And the mom said, this is all according to Monica, of course, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that at least if you don't get it, I do. Is that true? I don't know. It's Monica that says it. Would it shock me? Not at all. Not at all. Not from Linda. Hell no. Hell no. So um, we got into a lot of that toxic shit. It's bad. It's bad, bad, bad. I mean, if I were Monica, I would never talk to my mom again. Um, And if I were Monica's mom, I would never talk to Monica again. Like, I just feel like they have the most disgusting relationship. But at the same time, I also think that Monica and her mom need each other. And they're like Thelma and Louise. They're like, literally, it's like um, Grey Garden shit. Like they're going to end up alone, these two moms in an old decrepit house with like ivies growing through the kitchen. It just doesn't feel healthy at all. Um, Another thing we talk about is Angie's house and how Monica threatened to sue her. Angie gets a 10 out of 10 in her reunion performance. Do you agree? Angie K coming in with the kill. She was so good. And I love hearing Angie argue because she listens. She stops. She listens and then she responds. Lisa Barlow can take a a page from that book. It's like too much. Lisa just, Lisa and Angie, I mean, Lisa and Monica, when they argue, and this was how they were when they were at the sound bath, Whitney's prism event a few episodes ago, they go after each other and they don't shut up. The two of them are just like, 
It's so annoying to listen to. And Lisa goes like, I can't talk to you. Nothing you say, you don't listen. I can't talk to you. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Monica can't talk to you either. Like, the two of you just need to stop talking. Angie did great. And the conversation came up about how Monica threatened to sue Angie because she fell down her stairs. But then Monica brought in Meredith. Now, Meredith is a former attorney. Don't forget this. She is a lawyer. She understands the law. And apparently she said to her, um, she said to her, what's it called? Uh, to Monica, she said, we can get her house. Let's get her house. This is when Meredith hated Angie. She did. She hated Angie. And she was giving Monica legal advice to sue Angie for her house. Ouch, 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 ouch. Not a good look for Meredith at all. Okay, then we go to a little bit of a break. And during this break, we see a couple of things. We see a bunch of them eating, which was good to see. And then we see Monica and Mary talk. Now, Mary, to me, because I don't take her that seriously, and I know that a lot of you guys really do. So this is a a touchy subject. I really, truly enjoy Meredith. I mean, Mary, I enjoy watching her on my show. I would not want to be her friend. I would definitely not want to be on her bad side. God knows what she would call me. But I love watching her on the show. She just makes me laugh. I don't know why. It's her facial expressions. It's her words. It's like, it's like bobblehead. Like, I don't know how to explain it. She just gets me. So she's talking to Monica. And for some crazy reason, she is team Monica. Well, it's not really a crazy reason. It kind of is birds of a feather. And she believes that Monica's getting, you know, the short end of the stick here and needs to be heard. They, Mon- Mary comes out and immediately she's like on the defense. She attacks Angie for Angie saying a good comment about her. Angie's like, she's comedic relief. And Ma- Mary's like, <laughs> wait, what are you talking about, Angie? You don't even know me. It's only your second, first season. And Andy's like, well, Angie was giving you a compliment. Two minutes later, and Andy goes, so Mary, who do you like here? And she's like, Angie, so crazy. So out of control. We get into a conversation about Mary's son that I would like to not only block out from my memory, I would like to never have heard this, seen this. I never want to think about this. If you've seen the show enough to see Mary and her son in a scene together, you couldn't get two more socially awkward people together. If you think Mary is like a a weird, odd bird, Mary's son, no offense, dude, is quiet, introverted, awkward, uncomfortable, doesn't really feel like he's ever met his mom and apparently he's married and she lives in the house and Mary gets into a discussion with her hairdresser that gets aired on unseen footage. This Bravo did her dirty talking about the fact that she doesn't want her son's girlfriend or wife. We still have not yet decided to express enjoyment in the bedroom with Mary's son. Mary goes on to a tangent talking about the fact that she walked by the hallway, stopped because she heard screaming, thought something was wrong, figured out that those two were having sex, and then got annoyed because she said, why is she enjoying it that much and making sounds like that? It's giving my son a a big head. There's no way he's that good in bed. I died. And I don't think any mom, and as a boy mom myself, I never want to hear it be around it, think it. I don't want to think about how good or bad they are. Like, what are we talking about? That went so odd. Um, 
trying to think what else happened in this in this Mary part. We had a couple big moments. Um, the first is when she was supporting Monica. And Lisa comes out and she's like, play the audio. Now, this is the part where we start to notice that Heather has all these audio recordings from Monica. We heard it a bit last episode when she said that Monica, she had an audio recording of Monica wanting to be the next Kim Kardashian, like starting as an assistant and becoming the star. And then she also had an audio last night where she's basically calling Mary a dumb B. And Lisa was like, gotcha. Like, Mary, you still support Monica? And Mary did, <laughs> which is just shocking to me. But Monica freaks out because she's like, how in the world do you have, you know, you're playing this audio play at all. If you're playing the, my, one side, play it all. You can tell when Monica feels like attacked, threatened, or scared to be caught in a lie because she just talks a lot. So she's constantly talking and then she'll say like, are you serious? Are you serious? And then she'll call people names, right? So at this point, she's calling Lisa all the names in the book. She's calling everyone names. She's saying F you to Heather. Like it's bad, right? Um, but that's Monica's self-defense. Like her self-defense is in her words. She just attacks. The last thing that I thought was quite interesting was the whole conversation around Mormonism and racism. So I am not someone that really understands the Mormon religion, but from what I've heard, there is a lot of racism rooted there. Um, just like there are in a lot of crazy religions out there, not crazy religions, don't take that wrong, but like in a lot of religions, there's a lot of racism and like old school thinking rooted in it. That being said, um, Mary actually took a moment and talked to Whitney specifically Whitney, saying that she believes she's racist because her affiliation with the Mormon church. I thought that was interesting because Whitney is the least affiliated with the Mormon church, right? Heather talks about Mormonism way more, and she's more recent to leave. And Lisa is currently a Mormon. Lisa was in denial, absolutely, uh, of any sort of racism there, which makes me wonder about how much she really knows about Mormonism, or is it more like a social event for her? And uh, Heather did agree to and cop to the fact that there was racism rooted there. I actually really didn't mind that conversation. I think it's an important conversation to have. Um, she eventually said, Whitney, no, you have never done anything specifically to me to show racism. But Whitney also took that with, uh, took that in stride because Whitney, um, Whitney has a, Whitney has an, a, a, a way to get very defensive about things, but she, I think she knew exactly in this moment, this is not her story to tell. This is not her experience. This is Mary's experience. And Mary explained it very well. She goes, I'm not going to be able to explain to you exactly why I feel the way I have because you're not in my shoes. I loved it. I thought it was actually a really good little conversation. And Whitney was like, I understand. Thank you. I'm trying to do better. I thought it was actually kind of nice. Is that weird that I actually enjoyed Mary's presence? Now, in this next episode, it's going to get dirty. It's going to get reality of TC. We're going to talk all about the blog or the, the Instagram account, the Jen Shah of it all. We're going to talk about the black eye. So I think episode three will give us a lot. It will give us a nice punch, if you know what I mean, black eye. I hope that you guys have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you so much for spending your Wednesday with me. Happy Wednesday. Happy Daily Dose of Donna Day. And tonight will be another night of In My Bravo era as we watch 
Salt Lake, I'm sorry, Beverly Hills and Miami. Once again, cannot wait. Have a great Wednesday. Bye, you guys.